Let's pray once more. Dear Heavenly Father, may your Holy Spirit work inside us. Reveal to us your will for us and teach us through your word in the book of James. Let us go through the, all kinds of trials victoriously and let's put our faith into actions. Bless our worship, Lord, and bless our church. Thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Um, I suppose everyone has gotten this bulletin in your hand. So if you look at the back, there are five points I summarized there. And if I go ahead, further summarize all the five points, uh, I would like to um, summarize them in two sentences. Number one is that surviving through trials victoriously. And then number two is put our faith into actions. So let's go to see the book of James, first chapter. First of all, the background of this book um, is like this. The author of this book is believed to be James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ. Then who is he? This James and the Jesus Christ, they had the same mother, Mary. But Jesus was born through the Holy Spirit. And then James was born between Joseph and Mary through their normal marriage. When Jesus was in this world preaching the good news of uh, the good good news of God's kingdom, James himself uh, did not believe. However, he changed and became a believer after he witnessed that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. So after that, he became a follower and a believer of Jesus as well. And more than that. He was a leader of the early churches in the Judea uh, region, around uh, maybe 40 to the time, uh, 40 to 62, the time that he was a martyr of the good news. So the background, historical background was like this. There were early believers. Uh, most of them are Jews. And because of the persecution, they were spread throughout the Judean regions. And the James, at that time, around 45 to 60, wrote this letter to encourage these believers and also to address problems frequently uh, encountered externally and internally to the early churches. So this is the purpose of writing this letter. For us, the same problems uh, may, may still be around us. We have all sorts of problems. Problems inside the church, problems within our families, problems with raising our kids, all sorts of problems. And the way that James persuade the, the early believers to solve these problems is to ask wisdom from God. So this is the purpose and the audience of the book of James. Now we can go ahead to see the scriptures. Let's turn to our Bible, to the book of James, first chapter. So let's read it uh, verse by verse. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. So the first verse 
uh, explain once again this background. The 12 tribes of Israel was scattered uh, throughout the, some regions in the, in the Middle East. Then let's see verses 2 to 4. It's part of uh, the first point of teaching here, facing trials. We all have trials in our lives. And verses 2 and 4 is to say a correct attitude when we face these trials. Actually, the correct attitude should be rejoice and persevere through trials. So let's read it. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. When facing trials, a natural response of our old selves could be be disheartened, be discouraged, and maybe we, become, we start to complain, we start to accuse someone else. Why I face such problems? This is the incorrect attitude. This is a negative attitude. And the two weapons frequently used by Satan, number one, is to make you discouraged, disheartened, or depressed. Number two, is that to make you to accuse other people around you. You point your fingers towards someone else. It is who? It is this one that caused such problems. So these are incorrect attitudes. We are falling into the traps of Satan. The correct attitude is explained here. We rejoice and persevere through the trials. So we may turn to the Bible, to the book of Romans. Let's look at uh, chapter 5 and verse 3. So this verse says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. So in this verse, it supports the teaching of James here. The purpose of going through all such trials is to build up our character, is to make our character more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. We are saying goodbye to our old selves. We are not going to do any accusation toward our brothers and sisters. Be mature. And uh, sometimes we may wonder why we are still facing such trials. There's an example in the Old Testament in the book of James. So we can turn to the book of, uh, I'm sorry, to the book, in the book of Judges. The book of Judges, let's look at uh, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. So the background of that uh, Judges here is that after the Israel's people enter the promised land, but uh, after the death of Joshua, their, their general in command, um, the children of Israel began to forget God. And there are still some hostile nations around their, um, their place. They became uh, suffer through all those troubles from these nations. And let's look at the verses in chapter 3, 1 and 2. These are the nations that the Lord left to test all these Israels 
who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. He did this only to teach warfare to descendants of the Israelites who had not had previous battle experience. So this verse explained why sometimes we are going through trials. They are kind of warfares. Such warfares has a good purpose from the Lord. The purpose is to make us become mature in Christ Jesus. And nowadays, maybe we are still facing all kinds of warfares, not in the battlefields, but spiritual warfares. So, um, this is some situations that we might fail, we might face trials. And the correct attitude is to rejoice and persevere so that we may become more mature in Christ Jesus. And there are some good examples for those who had successfully gone through such trials and become more mature. Uh, the first example could be Joseph. You may recall in the book of Genesis, Joseph was sold by his brothers uh, first into some uh, officials in Egypt. He became a slave. And later, Joseph was thrown into the jail because he refused to commit adultery with the wife of that official. And then, long story short, finally, the Lord promoted Joseph to be second in the nation of Egypt. And his brothers, those who had sold Joseph into slavery, came to Egypt and knelt down before Joseph so that what God had promised to Joseph became true. Now, as a, someone, for example, me, a natural way to respond to such, such men who nailed down before me and in my control, anger may take over me, and I may order that all of them be slaughtered. But instead, Joseph forgave all their brothers. And he said, you can turn to chapter 50 of Genesis, verse 20. When his brothers begged the life in front of Joseph, Joseph comforted them by saying this. You intended to harm me, but God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So in this way, going through all such trials and sufferings, Joseph became so mature that he knew all the experience on, happening on him was the work of God. It's not personal hatred. And Joseph forgave all his brothers. Another example could be seen in the book of Exodus. The Israelites, uh, the generations long after the death of Joseph, was oppressed by the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh. And uh, the Lord allowed uh, such sufferings, such slavery happening on them so that he could reveal to all the nations that he, the Lord, is the true God. And uh, that nation, of course, under the, under the leading of Moses, um, going through all sorts of other trials, but anyway, uh, the name of the Lord was revealed for the first time. So, now given such 
all kinds of trials. The next natural question is, what's the practical solutions? Uh, this is explained in James. Let's go back to James chapter 1, verses 5 and 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So this part talks about practical solutions. Once we recognize that uh, what's happening to us is from God, a direct way to solve such problems is to ask God. And remember that we are children of God. Praying to God is the privilege of being God's children. Let's not waste this privilege. Let's talk about this example. Suppose someone would like to give you a gift. Now you must accept the gift. Then you can enjoy the gift. In other way, if you are already enjoying the gift, you must have already accepted the gift. Now suppose the third situation. You are given a gift, but you do not enjoy it. That could be so. You get it, put it in somewhere, and then say goodbye to the gift. That could be so. So in order to pray to our Lord, it's necessary to first receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. How to do that? We recognize we are sinners. We recognize that our Lord Jesus had died for our sins on the cross. He suffered for us. And on the third day, he was resurrected from the death. Anyone who hears these words from here, from your ears, please put into your heart. They are only 18 inches. That means you accept the, you accept the free gift of eternal life. Then you can go ahead to enjoy the good relation with Jesus Christ. Please go ahead and pray to the Lord whenever we have problems, whenever we have trials. And a few months ago, I went down to Sacramento because there was a competition. The competition was uh, among several robots. Robots were put into a maze. You know a maze? There are um, all sorts of blocks, but also routes. So the competition uh, went like this. There, uh, there was a big maze, and uh, inside that maze, there was a, let's say, a pillar. The pillar stands for the goal or the target or the end of this repetition, uh, competition. Then the robot, trying by itself, going through the maze, and when he hits the pillar, it stops. And we counted the time among all sorts, uh, all, all available robots, pick out the one that ran into the pillar. If it has the shortest time, then this robot was the winner. So that was the rule of this race. So what uh, impressed me is not that competition, but uh, I was thinking about the relation as children and uh, with our Heavenly Father. 
So the robot, when they were running inside the maze, they had no idea what the maze, what the overall picture of the, the paths they should run through. They came across the walls, bump into the walls, and the most, um, and the quickest thing they can do is to back up and try another way. But as human spectators standing around, we immediately know which path this robot should go. Then, uh, in, in such a way, he, that robot could reach its goal, its target, quickly. So likewise, we humans, we children of God, or we children of God living in this world, we may not be aware of the big picture. We may be running after whatever paths that are correct in our sights. But our Heavenly Father is high above. He knows everything. He is in authority of everything. He has a much better solution than what we can think of, as long as we ask Him. He is generous. He is generous to give His wisdom to us, as long as we believe and ask. But remember, first of all, in order to enjoy your gift, you have to first accept that gift. So let's see how much wisdom our God has. You may turn to Jeremiah chapter 33, uh, verse 3. So let me just read this verse to you. Call to me, and I will answer you, and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. As children of God, praying is our privilege. And how to pray? Here are some things I would like to share with you. First of all, is we should pray according to the will of God. Matthew chapter 6, 10 says, this is an example of Jesus uh, when he showed how to pray. Jesus said uh, in his example prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, it says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. So this is the first point. We pray according to the will of God. And if our prayer is really pleasing in the sight of God, he may give us much more than what we could imagine. You may recall the example of King Solomon. When he was uh, young and just became the king of Israel, he prayed to God for wisdom. This was recorded in 1 Kings 3, 7-10. to 10. Uh, So the prayer from Solomon at that time when he asked God for wisdom, was really pleasing in the sight of God. And God not only answered his prayers about uh, wisdom, but also granted him many more things. But you may ask, how do we know whether our prayers are according to the will of God? This is our, all our assignments. Every one of us should read the Bible. They inspire the word, uh, the, the word of God. And uh, I think Pastor Roger had encouraged us several times, read our Bible daily. 
establish a good relationship with God from the beginning of the day. So read the Bible early in the morning. Maybe uh, for me, I drink a cup of coffee and then read several chapters. It works and uh, it helps, especially when you have a quiet time, not hearing any noise around us, then you can see and you can hear God and Holy Spirit speaking to us. So be familiar with the Word of God by reading the Bible. And then, our prayers should be also um, avoid wrong motives. James 4, verse 3 says, When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. This is one thing we should pay attention to. Don't ask for too selfish things. Don't ask for things that only uh, work for our pleasures. And when we ask, please do not restrict the provisions of God. Do not restrict the providence of God. His uh, wisdom and the plans and and, um, abilities are far beyond our imagination. We may see this uh, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. So it says, To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Sometimes we may pray in such a way that we have uh, pre-imagined some solutions and say, Lord, please allow me to continue this path, such and such. But perhaps at the time that we have come up with this pre-assumption, our assumption was wrong. Don't restrict the provisions of God. Just simply lift what we need onto His hands. And when we pray, please pray with faith. Verses in um, the book of James, chapter 1, says, but six, verse 6, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of, of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. When we prayed, prayed steadfastly. In Matthew, chapter 17, verses 19 to 20, it says, um, it's about uh, a situation when the disciples of Jesus Christ would like to drive out the demons as well, but they failed, so they came to Jesus. And then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, uh, why couldn't we drive out? He replied, because you have so little faith. So pray with faith. And the last thing I'd like to share about the praying is um, sometimes our prayers did not get answered because we have not confessed our sins to the Lord. So we first confess our sins so that our prayers will not be hindered. It's um, explained in Isaiah, first chapter, verse 15. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. 
Your hands are full of blood. This could be a reason that uh, sometimes our prayers are not answered because we have not confessed our own sins. So we have just quickly went through the verses in James chapter five, uh, chapter 1, verses 5 and 8. It talks about the practical solutions when we face our trials. The solution is to ask our Lord Jesus for wisdom. Use the heavenly wisdom to solve the trials we are facing in this world. And then next, let's continue to read chapter 1, uh, verses 9 to 12. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even when they go about their business. It's easy to understand when we are in humble circumstances or to, be, or to take pride when we were promoted high. It's uh, in verse 9. But let's look at uh, verse 10. The rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wild flower. We should love the Lord with all our heart, our mind, and our soul. We cannot, the riches, become a replacement of God. We cannot make the wealth an idol in our heart. So if someone is wealthy, but suddenly be humbled in their position, that may be a good thing. The Lord still loves that person. It's a reminder. Let's see. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 24, it says, You cannot serve both God and the money. And then you can turn to Luke chapter 12, verse 21. Uh, it follows uh, after a story, but uh, this is what Jesus concluded. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. The rich we have stored up in this world, we can never take them away with us. And when we really face our Lord, this is a serious question. The Lord may take us responsibility. What about the fruits that we have obtained in this world? What are we going to bring to our Lord when we face Him? In fact, we can briefly review that story. There was a wealthy landlord who had plenty of produces from his land. And he was thinking, I don't have enough space to store all such produces. Let me build more barns. And he said to his soul, rest, because he was imagining that his soul could enjoy all such produces, all such wealth. And immediately the Lord said to his Something like, foolish man, tonight I will take away your soul. And the same thing 
uh, is uh, supported in Luke chapter 9, verse 25. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Lord our God is the only one who could destroy both the body and the soul. He is the one that we should fear. So think seriously about how we spend our limited time in this world. No one knows exactly how much time he or she has in this world. In the past year, I, I saw two persons. They died unexpectedly. One of them, when I saw him early this summer, looks really nice. But no one expected he passed away in August. So it's necessary to make the decision immediately. Think about uh, the destination of all our ends. Think about the destination after our death. Please pay attention to the great love from God. For, the, for God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life but not death. And let's continue. Verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. It is true that many times we don't understand what's happening to us. Um, in the Bible, there's a, there's a book in the Old Testament, the book of Job, Job was a righteous person. There's no reason that he sh should suffer such and such things. But God still allows Satan to, to make Job not only um, lose his wealth, his children, but he suffered in his health. And um, Job persevered. He did not curse God. He, clear, he clearly understood that he has a safe destiny. He could face the Lord safely. So this is the explained in verse 12, to receive the crown of life. Let's continue in the um, first chapter, verse 13. Verse 13 through verse 15 talks about uh, be victorious through trials and explains the source of our temptation. Let's read uh, verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Please do not think sin is a static object. It is not. It seems that sin itself has life. Let's turn back to Genesis uh, chapter 4. It's the story that Cain killed his brother, Abel. So let's see Genesis chapter 4. 
Let's read uh, verses 1 through 8. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, With the help of the Lord I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and uh, his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So this piece of um, recording clearly illustrates that the temptation was not from God. It's a person's selfish desires and evil thoughts. Like in this case, Cain was angry with his brother. This sin, as explained in verse 7, sin is crouching at your door. Its desires, it's de- it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. You see, sin is not something that's so static. It's not an object. It's not a static object sitting there. You might be struggling with it. Then what's the solution? Again, turn to God for help. Remember the two weapons of, from Satan? Number one is that it makes you feel disheartened, discouraged, distressed, or even depressed. And it makes you to accuse your brothers or sisters. Stay away by praying. And let's see how God is uh, going to help us. And the next two verses in chapter 1 of James 16 to 18 explains the sources of our strength and wisdom. It's the source of grace from God. So let's see chapter 1, verse 16 to 8. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. So we ask God, who is the source of wisdom? And uh, the Bible says, the fearing of God is the beginning of knowledge. And the fools says in their heart, there is no God. We as followers of Christ Jesus, we don't do so. We recognize that the God is full of um, grace. And we should ask God for spiritual gifts on us. Someone may have a um, spiritual gift of encouraging Someone may have a gift of serving. Someone may have a gift of teaching. 
etc., etc. All such spiritual gifts are generously granted from God to us as long as we ask Him. And then the last section of chapter 1 talks about uh, putting our faith into actions. It's from verses 19 to 27. Verses 19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Again, James explains here, our human angers does not stand for the will of God. We may mess up many relationships by becoming too quick-tempered. And we'll get back to this point in a moment. Let's continue in verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Let's put what, our, what we have known hand in hand with what we will do. In fact, in the book of Luke, chapter 11, we can turn to Luke chapter 11 and look at the, the verse in 28. Actually, we can read from uh, 1127. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So this story was about uh, Jesus teaching to a crowd. And uh, when Jesus explained, uh, by the power of God, he, he drove out those impure spirits and uh, following along other teachings, then this woman might recognize Jesus as someone who is really full of wisdom. But you see, Jesus replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So this is in accordance, what, uh, in accordance with what James teaches in verses uh, 22 to 25. Now we can continue with the verses uh, 26. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. Religion that God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by this world. 
So this uh, is a quick, um, a quick go over on the first chapter of James. We have learned that uh, we are facing trials, and the solution to victoriously going out of trials is to ask God for wisdom. And we have to put faith into our actions. And finally, let's finish this chapter by one verse. So I picked this verse from Romans 12, verse 12. I think this verse very nicely summarizes what we have to learn from chapter 1 of James. So this Romans 12, 12 says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. So this is what I would like to uh, every one of us to think about when we read the book of James. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful Sunday morning that we may worship you in the name of Jesus our Lord. Um, be with us, Lord, whenever we go. Let us know that whatever we, have, we are experiencing now has a good purpose from Jesus Christ. We are being trained to be soldiers of the Lord, and let's stand first in the Lord. Mm, let's put our faith into actions. Thank you, Lord. And uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen.